You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you are doing very, very well. You're about to listen to a conversation with one of the genuine legends of the Australian metal scene. Not only is he in an excellent band called Claim the Throne, who do have a new album out for 2018 called On Desolate Plains, and that was a primary, or the principal reason, if you like, for us to actually have a discussion during this episode here. But I do dive into what he also does, which is Soundworks Touring. So if it wasn't for Dicey and his colleagues at Soundworks Touring, there's a chance, dear Australian listener, that you wouldn't be seeing so many of the wonderful bands that you've enjoyed over the past, I think he's been going for about 15 years now. Anyway, let's cut to the chat with Dicey and hear all about it. Here we go. You've been pretty busy of late though, haven't you? I mean, I can't blame you, mate, um, given that you're running Soundworks and you've also got this incredible album through your band Claim of Throne that's just been released. Yes, mate, as always, I've got a million things on the go. Um... I'm just sort of trying to immerse myself in, in music, whether it's playing, working, listening. I'd eat and drink if I could. But, um, <laughs> I've got yeah, to, it's, it's, it's good to be busy, you know. Like, I just kind of get bored sitting around doing nothing, and, you know, music's my life. So I'm sort of fortunate I can, uh, well, I've worked hard for it. But, yeah. You have indeed. Yeah, you, you are a case study in working hard, yeah. Yeah, so I can just get by making a living out of it, and you know, I can uh, get on the fun side and still play as well. Yeah, yeah. Mate, just a couple of things before we kick off. Yes, I, I definitely write for Metal Obsession, but I also host a podcast series and a radio show on 4ZZZ over here in Brisbane. So are you cool if I air our interview as a part of the radio show and podcast series as well as write a feature for Metal Obsession? Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, the more the more um, exposure we get, the better. So yeah, I'm all for that for sure. Excellent. Mate, I'm going to kick things off and I'm going to ask you a question that you weren't anticipating. Now, I've just found out today that somebody has been using my alias, on lo- my name online as an alias to solicit copies of records and also interviews from bands. It's quite incredible. I didn't, and it's quite extensive, it turns out. Have you ever had anything like that happen to you? Uh, no, not like that. No, I... Quite often, well, not quite often, but every now and then you, you tend to hear funny rumours um, about yourself or, you know, I guess also, you know, tours that Soundworks are doing. Like, well, that's interesting. That's the first I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you get a lot of that, yeah. Uh, but no, I've never had, uh, I don't know, what, what do you call that, some kind of identity theft or something. I don't know, but um, I've ne- no, I've never had that. But yeah, just the odd, the odd rumour here and there that you hear about yourself or your band or, or Soundworks. You know, always, always, I always find amusing. It never kind of really annoys me. But yeah, that's kind of pretty, pretty light on though. It's not having a what's I guess is happening to you. That seems a bit, bit oh, kind it's of just crazy. bizarre. I've only I've literally found out about it in the last half an hour. That's the reason I bring it up because it's fresh yeah. and it doesn't even bug me that much to be honest with you. Because I think the bands <laughs> and the agents and the promoters out there are shrewd enough and savvy enough to reach out to me first. And I've actually had some pretty serious bands like. Um, Stefan from Adagio reached out to me and go, hey, man, you've been reaching out to me for an interview. Let's do it. And I'm like going, okay, that's cool. We'll do the interview. But it wasn't me. And I know you're, you're in a wonderful band and you're a wonderful guitarist. So I've got no problem with this. But uh, it, it's been going on, I think, for about 12 months now. And I've only just found out about it now. So that's, wow, that's the really? reason I bring it up. Yeah, mate. And to be frank, I'm a nobody. So I don't know what anybody yeah. thinks um, gaining any sort of currency out of using my name is going to give to them. But what can I say? Oh, I mean, there's some strange fans out there, I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, the bands we deal with, you know, I mean, they're still relatively well known and, and quite high level. We don't do any sort of superstars or anything, but you know, a lot of fans try and do the best to sneak into a VIP or sneak into a show or sneak backstage or 
you know, they're always trying to do something to get an autograph or a picture or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know if it's someone's sneaky way of trying to interview the bands they like or something, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's you never know. It's funny. I mean, I've, I've interviewed over 200 artists and musicians at this point, you know, Sata from uh, Satyricon, the guys in Venom Inc., um, Peter Chris from Kiss, some pretty serious names, right? And they're all just normal people, right? There's no advantage to wanting to pretend you're being somebody else and actually trying to talk to these people because at the end of the day, I'm really just talking to them about sometimes what their daily routine is. Like me, that's about dropping my two kids off at kindy and then just working out what I'm going to do, A, for my professional commitments and B, for my music. You know what I mean? There's Where, where, where can you yeah. take it by pretending to be somebody else? I'll stop talking about it in a sec, but it's an interesting <laughs> no, situation. No. Yeah. no, I understand. I mean, I guess I've been working so long in the music industry and if I meet a... a, a semi-famous person or a famous person. I do a lot of extra driving gigs. And, you know, I've, I've, I've driven some different names around, like uh, Ace Freely and worked with Justin Bieber show and all this crazy stuff. And even, Jeez, yep. You know, and, but like you say, they're just people, man. And I guess I'm a bit numb to it because I really just, you know, okay, they are just people, you know, they're just everyday people. They're just, For sure. I've, I've seen more people know know them than, than me. So, uh, but, you know, your average fan, you know, it doesn't sound like they're, you know, they're, they're heroes, gods, icons, so I can kind of see why you know, they get a little bit more excited or sometimes a whole lot more excited <laughs> than, you know, myself or you do, you know, because we're working in the industry and we get it, whereas, you know, your average fan doesn't quite. Do uh, yeah. Great perspective, mate. So, look, let's talk about your excellent band, Claim the Throne. Mate, you've been going since 2004, which is a remarkable achievement, all things considered, given you're an Australian metal band and a band from Perth, no less. So... I've only just been given your album Thank You. You sent it to me, and I've listened to it a couple of times since that you've sent it over, but it was released last year. So I do need to ask, is it the definitive claim to throne album, and what can you share with listeners about it? Oh, well, I think it's definitely our strongest now to date, for sure. And I think, uh, I mean, I've, the band's been around for 13, what, it's 14 years now this year. I've mm. been with them for about seven or eight, and I think the lineup we've had now has been the most stable it's been and you know we're all a little bit older now and some of us might be a little bit more mature i don't know probably not but <laughs> um i think now this is the second full album we've written together i guess now we know each other's influence as well and each other's styles and i guess it's just sort of gelled a bit better this time around so i think and also being a bit more serious on this one too writing wise i mean the last one fortune flame we were a bit more serious too i think this one we were really trying to push harder push ourselves and you know, we want to aim higher with, with tours and stuff we want to do. So, you know, we we're aiming to impress, I mean, I guess ourselves, but also, you know, fans and, and other people, important people in the industry who hopefully might hear it and like it and maybe offer us a sick tour somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, today it's definitely our strongest album today, for sure. Um, yeah. Flame was a big leap, I thought, from Triumph and Beyond, and I think this one's another big leap in, in every aspect, from the songwriting to the playing to the recording and... You know, just different things we've learnt over the years. and um, Yeah, man, we're, we're super happy with it. I think you, you deserve a lot of credit for the video released. Of course, the song I can't recall right now, but the video is of, of, of a very high professional quality out there and it certainly competes with some of the, the top tier, you know, black and death and alternative metal bands uh, that have released things over the last couple of years, such as Satyricon and the like, mate. So you to be congratulated for actually putting in the effort for a video because a lot of bands seem to do... Um, I'm not ratting on bands that do lyric videos. I understand there is a place for them, but it's always nice to see a band actually do a concept video like what you guys have done. Yeah, sure. Is that is that the one with, with Cabba walking through the Australian bushland and... Uh, no, it was the one actually with the female, sorry, she's probably a member of the band, I should apologise, but you've got the female uh, lead vocal there as well on the keyboards. Oh, on the studio, 
Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's the, the, the um, where we're playing. Yep. Yeah. No, we've got a couple of clips, um, which we, we we did pretty much at the same time, and we did spend a bit of money on. We got a, a couple of good friends here who have their own um, video imaging company, and uh, I think they did the first one years ago, Set Sail Now, but they've mm-hmm. uh, obviously developed a bit more over the years, got more equipment and better equipment, and kept up to date with technology. So. They put together a budget for us. We scraped together the money. <laughs> um, it cost us a bit, but yeah, like we wanted the film clips to match the the music as well. Um, you know, we put that much into the music. We thought, well, let's let's try it, and you know, we'll spend a bit of money on the clips. And I'm glad that you're the second person to interview me who said that um, and brought up quite early. So I'm glad it's sort of people that are seeing that um, because we do want to step it up a notch on on many levels. Well, I think it helps because um, you know, getting into being um, raising awareness of your band is very hard these days. Cutting through all the bullshit and actually getting people across the globe to pay attention to what it is you're doing because what you're doing is worth listening to. But videos, I think, are very important because I tend to find a lot of is it Generation Z? You know, the 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 lot that were born sort of post 1994, 1995. They're all about that type of graphic content. And that's the way in which uh, my perception is, at least anyway, that you grab their attention. And, of course, they're the ones with the so-called disposable income to spend on merch and going to gigs and all that sort of stuff, certainly a lot more than, than us approaching middle age, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, I'm well past that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not true. Well, age-wise, not, not mind-wise. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, look, Likewise. I mean, we, that, that's, that's the thing in, in, I understand. I mean, I, I do take care of all the promo and plug publicity and marketing for Soundworks and I understand that people's attention spans nowadays are very, very short. Like in a YouTube video, I mean, a lot of people skip after 30 seconds. If you haven't grabbed their attention, they'll just skip to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, we wanted to make sure it was, you know, very visually grabbing to, to try and keep the, the the people watching YouTube to keep their attention, hopefully listen to listen to the end and they okay, well, if they like that song, hopefully they'll check out the album and I mean, the oldest songs are on are on YouTube to listen to, and if you know, if people want to, and yeah, so yeah, that was the whole idea, and, and it seems to be working. So yeah, that's good to hear. And and look, the band has certainly achieved some incredible milestones, such as performing with Arch Enemy or Arch Enemy, I should say, Cradle of Filth and Suffocation. And I believe you are the first Australian band to feature on seven thousand or is it seventy thousand tons of metal, whatever it is. You know, the big uh, floating cruise of metal that happens over there. I think it's in Florida, was it? That you're one That's correct. Yep. Yep. Least from Florida. Yep. So, what has been the highlight for you personally with so many wonderful episodes to choose from throughout the band's career? Um, that's a pretty good question. It's, I mean, luckily I've actually got to think about that. So we've done quite a few good things. I mean, definitely being the first band on seven or first Australian metal band on seven thousand tons of metal was uh, was definitely a highlight. I mean, we were actually all going anyway, and we we were. Touring the US because we were all going to the seventy thousand tons. We decided, well, let's do a tour, and we did off our own back DIY, and we did approach the promoter from seventy thousand tons. And four days out, he gave us a call. You play guys on the plane? Four days out. You don't have to pay us. We've already got tickets, and we've already bought bunks and stuff. So yeah, cool. We'd yep. love to. So that, that was that was definitely a highlight. Um, you know, touring just recently, touring with Winter Sun just after the album release. Mm, great band, yeah. In, in Australia and then Japan, I mean, you know, we've lucky we've been to Japan three times now, and uh, the tour we did, in, I think, in two thousand, oh, I have to think now, out of two thousand and thirteen, maybe. Oh my God, it's been a while now. Uh, we did sixteen dates with Ailstorm in the UK. Um, that was really, really 
awesome. It was kind of the first time we've you know been on a you know, proper tour bus and mm. um, just doing show every night of the week for like fifteen or sixteen nights. And um, so that was a great experience, and that was definitely a whole after touring with the guys here in Australia. And you know, we all clicked, and they just invited us to be part of their tour. We're like, oh shit, yeah, cool, okay. If you guys want us, we're, we're not going to say no. So for sure, oh mm. definitely, definitely those. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to play some festivals, big festivals in Asia, such as um, Hamasonic Fest in, in Indonesia and with um, Sonic Fest in Bali and and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely those. Um, but anyway, you know, it's always anything we've done, is, it's always a great time. You know, if it's an Australian tour like we're about to do or fortunate enough to get overseas and, and do some do some bigger things, it's, uh, yeah, it's what, you know, it's what I joined a band for. Well, look, I think the point there about you achieving, that's a great achievement, by the way, and it's an achievement that you should be congratulated and noted for getting on such a, on a prestigious event like the 70,000 or 7,000 tonnes of metal. God, I should look it up, which one it is, but either way, I think the listeners will know what we're talking about. I, you're part of this great resurgence, if, if I could put it that way, of Australian metal. So I've said it before and I'll say it here. Based on what I've listened to thus far through On Dissolute Plains, it's yet another stellar Australian metal album. It more than competes with what's happening in the rest of the globe. It's better than most of what's being released in the rest of the globe. So as a 25-year fan of actively searching for Australian metal, I feel as though the past two years we're, we're achieving something resembling a high watermark or a high tide. Now, being a 25-year veteran, of course, I was around in the 90s, as I'm sure you were, mate, when you go to I shows. <laughs> and bands were either mimicking offshore acts such as Morbid Angel or they were, frankly, just plain shit. Now, I'm going to call it out. The attitude of the general metal community in the country in general since that time has improved significantly a lot as well and the bogan factor is just not as prevalent as what it used to be i think you know what i'm talking about mate women feel yeah. comfortable going to shows now yeah i think it's um it's definitely changed a lot um and you know you can definitely put that to the internet and just the you know just having access to i mean as a as a listener you've got access to so much but as a band you've got access to a it's it's so much easier to contact booking agents and managers and record labels and um, it's so much easier to learn stuff because now you can just Google you know well, you know how do I, how do I put on a gig or you know how do I print a shirt you just Google it and Google you know not everything you read on Google's quite right of course but you know it's easy to find information so I think that's definitely helped in in the the standard of of what bands are doing nowadays and also because there's so much out there there's a lot more competition so you've got to be You've got to be on your game to try and impress everyone else. Whereas back in the 90s and late 80s, it was just tape trading, which is your local scene. Unless you read Metal Hammer or Hot Metal, you didn't really know what was going on in the rest of the world. So um, there's certainly a lot more bands nowadays. Back when I was first getting into local scenes and whatnot, you know, it's just well, it's so much more going on. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, stand out now. You've really, you've really got to. You've really got to be really good, um, and not be an imitator because people just sort of call it out straight away. And, so what um, do you? But what do you put the general improvement in the scene overall down to? So there's obviously there's claim the throne. So you guys, of course, Aversion's Crown for all eternity. Thy art is murdered. They're just a few. Okay, I could honestly keep them going on. You know, hybrid nightmares. Um, I just, I mean, I remember as a kid, mate. It was it was hard. It was real hard to go to gigs and. And I, I did try, man. I was into cryogenic back in the day, uh, Mortality. They were good bands, by the way. But after that, it seemed like there was a big drop-off. At the moment, do you really do you think it 
is down to the internet and the fact that savvy people who might not have had um, the inclination to get in the middle in years gone by, nowadays because of the internet they're able to just sort of plug in and get on board? Is that is that well, the reason, do you I, think? I think, and it's just, I mean, internet also has, you know, there's all those community groups and there's, you know, like you know, New South Wales Metal God and WA Metal God or Perth Metal Space or there's so many groups that you can click onto and and be part of something and I think too with bands the technology available to bands you know you can record in your own bedroom now and the quality of just your even your own demos are better mm. than the quality that with you know 80s metal albums um, and there's yeah. a lot of tricks you can use now and and um, it's it's just a whole lot easier to do a whole bunch more things now um, you know when we when I first started playing in 95 trying to get a gig I didn't have to get a gig we just sort of punished some local bands allegiance being one of them you would have heard of them of course mate i should have mentioned them when i mentioned cryogenic uh, earlier they're a phenomenal band yeah 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 and that's you know i went a whole bunch of dave harris and the bass player and, uh, but now but we just went to a gig and just harassed them basically until they gave <laughs> us a gig but now you can just message someone on facebook and go hey look you know i'm i'm, I'm i want to put a show together or can i can i get a show with you guys it's just so much easier to contact people and so much easier to get advice and it's you know, research it and I think it's just a lot more out there for people to access than there was back, you know, in the 90s. Mm. It really was just get in someone's face or try and find a, a info on an express or a magazine or something, you know. So it's just there's a lot more out there for people to, to be able to grab and, and learn from, which is great. It's great, you know. It's great that the Aussie metal scene is, you know, really is really strong. There's a lot of lot of bands going overseas now and doing Yep. Great things, whether it is, you know, like The Artist Murder, Murder or Parkway Drive, you know, Neighbourhood Scar. Of course, Parkway, yeah. Um, Versions Crown, there's, you know, even Cursed Earth, bands like that, there's, there's plenty of them, and it's, it's fantastic to see, you know, and Disentomb, you, I mean, you, King Parrot, you can keep going. It's, it, yeah, so many, it was a time just so like many, yeah. 20 years ago, you would just, you'd say Allegiance, and, and you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, Mortal Sin, uh, yeah. Sadistic Execution is crazy. Yeah, they that's exactly my point. Going. Yeah, there was like five bands you could name check, and probably yeah. only two of them an international uh, mate of yours, if you had like a, you know, pen pal thing going on with people offshore, would actually be aware of. Exactly. You know? Um, I remember that song by Allegiance. I think it was Hate Frenzy. Was that off Destitution? Jesus, I must have worn that one yep. out. God, that was yep. a classic album, that one. Absolutely. You know. So, mate, um, let's talk about your musicianship. You're an excellent guitarist. So, mate, what got you into playing and also not just playing, because this is what a lot of people do. They tend to sit around their bedrooms or living rooms or going over to mates' places and jamming in garages. What got you actually performing? <laughs> well, as, as crazy as it might sound, I mean, I grew up in the 80s when glam metal was huge, so um, C.C. DeVille from Poison really kind of sparked my interest. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Uh, also, Vernon Reed from Living Colour, like the first vinyl I ever bought was Living Colour's Vivid. You're a man after my own heart right there. That was Remember my number one album this, the last year, actually, was Shade by Living Colour. I'm a bass player, so Living Colour is yeah. one of my good Oh, well, there you go, yeah. yeah. So when I first saw Cult of Personality, that solo just blew my mind. And then, you know, I saw, heard of Joe Satriani, and then from there it was, you know, the, all the thrash metal bands and, of course, you know, Kirk Hammett and Dave Mustaine and, and all that kind of stuff. So that got me into wanting to play guitar. I didn't start playing guitar until I was 16, so it wasn't until, like, about 1989, after many years of listening to it. And then, yeah, from there, just once I finished high school, it was like, well, there's, surely there's going to be a local scene and just discovering local bands like Allegiance and Infected and 
downer and just going, all right, cool, there's a local scene. Well, I should get a form of band and start cranking it. So, yeah, that, that was that was pretty much it. CeCe DeVille, you've got that to thank for. <laughs> Look, it's I, I, we've got that in common. That was the first ever so-called heavy metal tape I ever bought was uh, open up in the SAR, actually, and uh, no, uh, in, in no small part to me wanting to play uh, actual real guitar, forget about air guitar, but real guitar along to his excellent licks. And it wasn't until I bought the album prior to that one, uh, Look what the cat dragged in. Yep, think, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, talk dirty to me, and that was one of the first songs that I learnt on guitar. Um, so that was yeah. I think you both both of us have CC Deville to thank for getting us a, a bit of a start. Yeah, thanks. You know. Thanks, CC. <laughs> <laughs> bit of a lesson in that. I hear he's a champion of a guy as well. I was talking to um, Phil Campbell, of course, the guitarist from Motorhead, and. Um, we're talking about amplifiers, and it turns out he was an endorsee of Galleon Kruger. And um, CC was fascinated with the Galleon Kruger guitar combo that he was using through the 80s. Um, so there's another story I heard about CC, and I did ask Phil what, what sort of a guy he was. He said, No, excellent bloke, fantastic guy. So it's nice to hear from uh, another muso as well as us as a fan. We can appreciate his music, but it turns out he's not a bad guy either. That's always nice to hear. <laughs> so let's change track, mate. We did start off talking about. Well, we talked about a rather bizarre situation that I was facing, but we talked about Soundworks as well. Mate, you are the man behind the agency, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you started it? Uh, yes, myself and Brad Wesson, who was in the first we, – we, we played together in the first band together years ago when I, finished, when I finished high school. We were high school buddies, and then we were in a band called Choke, so it all stemmed from there. But, yeah, so with Brad, back in 2005, uh, prior to that, we, we bought Soundworks Rehearsal Studios and – we started bringing some Aussie bands from over east to Perth because no one was doing it. So we had brought over like uh, Bremlin and Psychropic and uh, Days End and bands like that. Just hanging out, making friends. And yeah, but our first international show was Destroyer 666 in Perth, I think in 2004, actually. The, the, I've got a poster right behind me. Uh, yeah, 2004. And then in 2005, we toured um Hate Eternal. Uh we went I went to that one. Yeah. Yep, we halved the site probably and Dave Haley and that went well and they just have to be managed by Niall and at the time and so we got the Niall tour and then after Hate Eternal Eric returned recorded Cannibal Corpse, gave us some props. Alex Webster got in touch and we toured Cannibal and it all just went from there. So um I mean actually to technically I don't I'm not an owner of Soundworks anymore. I actually left as an owner director at the end of the last financial year. We didn't sort of really emphasize mm. that, but I'm still with the company. Um, I said the guys, look, you know, I don't want to be an owner anymore, but I'm I'm happy to uh, still tour manage and do publicity. That's kind of the side of things I like. So I'm still much affiliated with it. Um, so you would have seen Soundworks Direct, which is now a combination of Soundworks Touring, Direct Touring. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of formed a partnership for certain tours and but yeah no, i'm still i'm still heavily involved for sure um you know on a daily basis so really not much has changed other than i'm not an owner i'm just uh, i guess effectively an employee now but yeah yeah still, okay. still still definitely involved but yeah it's be uh be 14 oh, what hang on 2005 where are we 2018 13 years now um i guess i've, I've, I've sold international touring so it's been a while 
Look, I've been to many of the shows that you've brought out, and they've always had great production. The bands have always been... They've always certainly seemed to me as a fan when I'm watching them from the stage to be focused. And that usually... And believe me, I've seen many... Like, I remember seeing Skin Lab back in year 2000, man, going way back now. And I think they had a few issues with whoever bought them out, and they were venting about it from stage or talking about some shit from stage. I don't know what was going on there, but, which, you know, I'm drawing upon my... Um, what year is it now? 18-year-old memory for that. Um, so, uh, I'd, you know, but... I guess my point being is, mate, a lot of the shows that I've seen, um, they seem to be well prepared and the bands are happy to play, mate. So you've done a bloody good job so far. Well, you know what? Um, what my dad used to tell me was, uh, what was it? Oh, God. Prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. So That's so true, as, mate. That's right there. Yeah. As you supply what the bands need um, to run a show and you put that there, or if that's unavailable, you get a suitable alternative. As long as they got what they need to put on a show and it's all there, um, they've got no reason to be angry or upset. So it's not rocket science. Um, you know, sometimes things are a bit hard to find or whatever, but it, yeah, it, it kind of, I mean, you know, you've always got your, your dodgy promoters or your people who don't really know what they're doing. Mm. Um, and to be honest, we didn't really know what we were doing for the first two or three tours, but um we got there, and we, we learned a few things, of course, and you never stop learning. But, yeah, it, I know, as long as you're organised and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously things can go wrong in the day, and we've had a couple, we've had disasters before, but, then you know, people work together and you make do with what you've got. Yeah, and for sure. And, and just go, you just make the show happen. It's always going to happen. And then that, you know, but there's no point people getting angry or upset or screaming and yelling. That doesn't solve anything. So, no, but, right. yeah, I mean, we've. We've had, you know, we've had a couple of disasters, but you know, the show's always gone ahead, and every band we've we've worked with has always left with a smile on their face, and we generally get repeat business. So, you know, we must be doing something right. Yep. Yeah. No, that's it. Look, I've been, I've just stepped out of my career as an account executive at Telstra after eleven years, and I've been the bearer of bad news on many occasions. I can tell you, and that's often to boards of uh, directors business owners and the like and I've always found that as long as you shoot straight you direct and you tell them exactly what's happened but you also come to them with a solution about what you're trying to do to make things right nobody throws their toys out of the cot as we no. love to say that's no, always no, been you, my experience yeah you've got to be up front you've got to be up front you know and quite often you'll band will say look you know we want a certain head down here to do, to run the shows go hey look we sorry but Australia we don't have those particular brands here or you know maybe Melbourne doesn't have them or Perth say so, look you know Oh, we've got alternatives, you know, what's your alternative? Um, you know, or we might ship it over from Melbourne or whatever, but as long as you're up front and they don't get a surprise when they rock up the show and instead of having their, you know, four um, PV heads and four PV mm. cabinets, they don't rock up and see two Fender combos, they're generally happy, you know. <laughs> yeah. What's been, what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced in your time at Samworks that you feel comfortable sharing? Um... Sorry, what was that? What's been your biggest challenge, or what's something that's that you faced and you thought, "Oh shit, how are we going to make this one work?" Something that you feel comfortable sharing, because I mean, it's probably the very few time that I think anybody's one of the few times that I think I'm going to get the opportunity to talk to somebody in a position that you've been in, and certainly from a listener's perspective, you know, my next question is going to be a humdinger, actually, so it'll lead nicely <laughs> into this one. <laughs> well, I think generally speaking, you know, we've we've you know, ninety percent of our tours have been metal tours. And of nothing of, of, of massive nature, you know, like we, we haven't we haven't toured a Slipknot or a, a Metallic or anything like that, you know. Until we've got to, you know, we've done Carcass and Cannibal Corpse, and you know, there's still big shows, twelve hundred. Um, yeah. On the metal side of things, nothing like I can that really pops out. But I know we've 
also toured two cellos, which is completely different. Two guys and two cellos, no shows, especially the last two were huge, you know, took in 3,000 people, sold out Sydney Opera House. And that level comes with a whole lot more uh, stress. Production. <laughs> oh, yeah, to a point. I mean, production, um, you know, a little bit about our comfort zone, but. I mean, I've got to give full credit to Brad for that because he, he pulled all that together along with another company we worked with and their their crew. And for me personally, I didn't have to worry too much about much, that much. I actually was merch, merchandise for that tour, so I had the easy job. Hmm. But even that, that was that was had its own challenges with um, the amount of merch we had to print and then the different the different types and stuff I hadn't to you know work on before. But that was definitely probably the biggest challenge in, as terms of being probably out of our comfort zone. But, you know, at the end of it, pulled it off and it went perfectly. Most of the shows sold out. Um, the only hiccup we had was potentially in Brisbane where it was an outdoor show and it, and it rained up until an hour before doors and it cleared up. And um, But, you know, we were prepared for that. We had insurance in case it did rain. So yep. if a disaster did happen, we were covered. Um, we had to pay for it, but... Uh, but yeah, that would—I'd I'd say that one. Um, you know, as far as the metal stuff, we had a, the worst day of my Australian tour managing life with with Iced Earth in Melbourne, where you know we were, we our flight got delayed, then we got to the airport, the, the 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 van booking was stuffed up, so we're an hour late, and then um, it was Grand Prix day, so traffic was terrible. Chaser, Chaser had done his back in, so we had to get a masseuse. We instead of getting to the venue at two p.m., we got there at five p.m., so we're three hours behind. Three out of the four martial lamps blew up. The support band, I think Elm Street, the, the guy literally dislocated his knee on stage, could only do three songs. So it was just one thing after another. Steve, is, um, yeah. two blocks of voice blew out halfway through the set. Um, and it was the last show. And it was just like, I don't think I'd slept from the night before because we had such a busy schedule. Okay. <laughs> so that was a nightmare. It was literally just one thing after another. And I was, I was literally ready just to almost run away and not come back. I can imagine. Yeah, it just seems like one thing after another. Yeah, well, I've certainly experienced days like that when I've been at Telstra as well where your day starts early and it finishes really late. But, I mean, if you're talking about not having had sleep from the night before, mate, was um was John... I mean, I've heard... I mean, I've never interviewed him. I've done a review of their album, of course, the most recent one. It's not a bad album at all, mate. But I've certainly read that he can be a bit Dave Mustaine-like, mate. Was that your experience, if you feel comfortable sharing it? Oh, look, you know, John definitely cracks a hard whip. Um... I mean, he was totally, totally fine with me. Again, you know, he had no reason to be upset with me about anything. Um, he cracked the whip at his crew, but only because his crew were well, not, you know, just keeping them in, in tow. But yeah. oh, I found him fine. I found him fine. Yep. Um, you know, when he was in, when he was definitely at the venue, he definitely had his serious face on. But outside of that, you know, at the airport or back at the hotel, you know, quite a funny dude. You know, pretty, pretty fun nature. But um, no, no, we didn't. Have, no major issues. Even on that day, I mean, he, he, he did lose his shit hard, but he wasn't losing it at anyone in particular. It was yeah, just he's just trying to get things day. done. Yeah, And he was just frustrated like the rest of us were. So, um, But, you know, they still played the show and, and Stu apologised for his voice and even got the crowd to sing along and in parts where he couldn't do it. And, um, <laughs> they make they, for more memorable shows, his, though, those, those moments. Made, yeah, exactly. And Schaefer made do with his one amp in the end and... and in the end, you know, Melbourne got a unique show in a way. <laughs> Probably not ideal, but the crowd were great and they understood, you know, um, and there's not much more you can do. But in the end, the show happened as stressful as it was. And um, I was glad that day was over, I can assure you. 
I can imagine. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Mate. Yeah, look, I had a, I've had a few chats to Ralph Santola over the years, and uh, you know the guitarist from Deerside Obituary. Oh, I know posted. Ralph; he's a good friend of mine. Yep, <laughs> you know him. Yeah, and I've had to ask him. I said, "What was it like working with him on the Glorious Bird?" And he said, "Look, apart from being a tremendous guitarist, he's a good guy. So his reputation might precede him, but it isn't necessarily the copy that is out there doesn't necessarily reflect the nature of the man." No, no. And when you see someone like, you know, John twisting off at the venue, and I guess if you're a venue staff, you'd probably think, God, who's this asshole? But, yeah. um, you know, he's just, he was just venting. It was, everyone was angry. And I can tell you, no one was more stressed than me. So, um, yeah. but the show must go on. It must go on. And, and again, I said I had a humdinger of a question to ask you. And when we talk about the show must go on, here we go. Life is noise. Dave Cutbush. Now, I had an interaction, and I must say a very pleasant one with Dave a few days before the sexual misconduct allegations were raised against him. So I'm certainly not asking for comment about Dave, but does the likely failure, and I say likely failure because I just can't see where else the business can go, of a rather notable touring agency, what does that mean to Soundworks? Um, well, I guess, you know, uh, for that style of music of what they did, there's, there's obviously a hole there as far as a promoter goes. Mm. Um, so these bands and booking agents and managers are going to be, I guess, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know really. Um, going to assume they're going to be looking for new partners. Um, I don't really know too much of the life is noise setup. Um, I guess there's another guy involved, I think, but obviously he's going to have a hard time um, trying to piece things back together if he if he is going to be able to. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, obviously these these bands and booking agents are going to be looking for new partners, so. You know, they could possibly, quite possibly, come to us because obviously it's still, still heavy music. Um, well, when I say us, I should say Soundworks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they may go elsewhere. Obviously, where there's other, you know, there's plenty of other promoters in the country. Um, but you know, they're going to be looking for someone reputable who's got a, you know, good name and does a good job. So, hey, certainly can't rule out that they're not going to come to Soundworks. Absolutely. I hope they do, mate. I mean, Wolves in the Throne Room, those Cascadian metal titans, mate, they're one of my favourite bands, uh, certainly blackish metal bands, and Sleep are tremendous. Um, when they announced that they were cancelling their tours, which I can completely understand um, why they did that, but Jesus, mate, I was, certainly there's a lot of people let down by that. Oh, absolutely, of course, of course, you know. Two sold-out shows in Melbourne, all the other shows selling really well. Um you know, a lot of disappointed fans. Um, but you know, I guess. What do you do? Lots mm. of people respect their decision, um, and they'll, you know, they'll be back. A tour of, of that's done so well, pre-sales wise, they're not not going to come back. So yeah. I guess people have to be patient. You know, then and because you know, a band like that's probably busy touring wise, so they've got to now fit it in within a schedule. You know, they probably got US tours, European tours, and festivals and whatnot. So um, they're probably going to have to. Yeah, look at a, a later point in the year or maybe next year. But you can rest assured they'll be back. Mm. Look, I did reach out to the guys um, from Life Is Noise. I didn't reach out to Dave, but I just said, look, if you need some help over here, but I'm mean, from Brisbane, um, if you need some help over here, look, let's just talk and let's see what we can do because there's got to be life in the beast yet. Surely to goodness there's plenty enough to go around. I mean, there's certainly enough bands that I'm in touch with that I talk to that would love to come to Australia, would dearly love to come to Australia, but they just don't know the the where's and the, the how's effectively of how to get in touch with people and make it happen. Um, 
So yeah, look, it was just a thought that I had to reach out to them just to say, look, I've probably got the time on my hands now. As I said, I've taken time out of my career at Telstra just to see if I could make this whole music thing happen because I'm also a musician and I perform in covers bands though because at the end of the day, you've got to have um, Wedge coming in to pay for bread on the table. Um, but uh, mate, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum to be in really, isn't it? Is the brand totally burnt? Is it better off just to start all over again? You know, but uh, I digress. That's life. It is, yes. Yeah. Mate, that concludes the interview. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. That was my discussion with Dicey, the brains behind Soundworks Touring, and he's also a member of an excellent band called Claim the Throne. Thank you so much for listening.